1: Nebraska preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla.
0: I know everybody always jokes. They think I'm not being serious when I say it's probably more exciting for me than it is for him. Uh, I always enjoy talking to Jacob Padilla, primarily because he's maybe one of a handful of people that nobody ever says anything bad about. <laughs> so I know I'm probably keeping pretty good company because it's certainly not me, man. Welcome into another week. Of Nebraska preps post game. I'm sure Jacob's like God. I don't even know why you like me. There's not <laughs> not a whole lot to me, DB. I just I just try to be authentic and let the chips fall where they may. But Jacob, that's plenty good enough, man. Welcome. How are you? Uh, uh,
1: well, thank you for the kind words. Always, uh, and, and man, I appreciate always. you not mentioning football. So it's just it's all basketball. <laughs> basketball season. I got my sun shirt on. Hey, Let's go. you know you know what?
0: I actually feel for you because I'm one of the rare non-Packer fans. That actually likes Aaron Rodgers. I, I I would take him of any starting quarterback in the league, not named Patrick Mahomes right now, and I wouldn't look back. So I'm
1: with you on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. It's just just so frustrating because I, I just don't understand a guy as smart as he is. It, it really did seem like that came down to him locking in on Adams and missing open guys time and time again, which it, like he's fallen into that trap. Devontae is obviously really, really, really good, but there, there just got to be a way to score more than 10 points in that game.
0: There, I, this may be an unfair question because of your age, and, and maybe this is like the Hayden Fry, Kirk Ferentz discussion. Is it Rodgers or Bust, or did you, did you develop an affinity for Favre, even though you didn't watch him near as closely as you have Aaron Rodgers?
1: Yeah, um, definitely, like, I caught the tail end of Favre and kind of that last uh, year um, when they, they were, were awesome. Um, that, that kind of really, because I actually started following them a little bit when they weren't, weren't good, because um, my friend was a Packers fan, so I just started watching with him and then kind of adopted them as my team as well. Um, so I I didn't get to see the the far Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff, but um, I and I enjoyed him for sure. Um, but this kind of seeing Rodgers and the the way he elevated, the way playing the game, like the decision making, um, it, it was it, he's just been so much fun to watch. And it's just frustrating to see this team go out the way that it did.
0: Is there a comparison? And in the NBA, it's different because. Um, You know, after that second contract comes around, it's a crapshoot, and Nash has spent time with multiple teams, SS, CP3, but is there a Favre, Rogers, Nash, CP3 (laughs) analogy in there for you for your
1: favorite teams? Uh, Probably, and that's kind of uh, explains why I like the way I do. Obviously, living in Nebraska, this is a run-the-ball state, but... I like watching people pass the ball. <laughs> I like watching good quarterback play. It's funny,
0: too, yeah. how... So off the pod, when we talk hoops, we always talk... It, you always gravitate towards chemistry and
1: sharing. Yeah.
0: But it fits your personality, though, because that's why people think you're so good-natured. Yeah. Right?
1: It, it's, it's just fun to watch, like, the ball move around and just great passes. And, like, anybody can go and hit a step-back jumper, and, yeah, that that's cool or whatever. But, um, I mean, there's just... That's what basketball is supposed to be, like great ball movement, uh, making plays for others. Uh, That's just what I like watching the most. And like you said, that's kind of the type of players I gravitate towards. And it is largely because Steve Nash was a guy that I grew up, uh, kind of fell in love with basketball uh, through watching him. Mm.
0: All right. So here we go, man. I I felt like it was a very interesting week. And we get a couple of big matchups this week uh, and multi-class, which we'll talk about. And a second, but let's start in Class B, right? Kind of right. have to, right? It's... I mean, it is the story, uh, I think, because one team is really asserting their dominance. Everybody else is kind of chasing the pack. Let's start with Omaha, Scott. Yeah. Uh, you called your shot a week ago. You were kind of, There was a little foreshadowing. Roncalli didn't get it done in their place, which is arguably the best environment in high school basketball going right now with the gym capacity and how fervent that fan base is. And Scott was a little shorthanded. Roncalli comes up short the first time around. Now,
1: <laughs> all they, all bets are off with Scott now. Yeah. Uh, River City Conference Champs last week, they they handled South Sioux City 75-37. And then uh, it's kind of... Workman like fifty seven forty three went over on Colley. Uh, the Crimson Pride couldn't find a way to kind of take them to the wire this time. Uh, Scott was in control pretty much throughout that game, from what I saw. And here they are thirteen and zero, and they've they've beaten number two in, in Class B twice already. One of them close, one of them not so much. Um, so, kind of leaves you with, well, who is going to beat these guys? And the the big one. Coming up is Tuesday uh, at home against Lincoln Pius the tenth, and so you get kind of little cross B, uh, Class B cross A or Class A kind of crossover game there. And man, it, if Scott wins that game, I, I was talking about this before the bot, but who's going to beat them?
0: And it's weird too because you talk about matchups, and and Pius is the only team like them in Class A. Much like Scott is the only team like them in Class B, they can go six six, six five, six six and be comfortable playing that way. Pious size, unique to them, especially in Class A. Will anything give, or are you all about the matchups and looking for something different to kind of reign supreme other than just the sheer size?
1: Yeah, th- that'll definitely be fun to watch, just kind of how the the matchups play out. Um, and Scott's obviously got, got the size, and Jake Brack and Nate Zorowski starting there and they've got some size off the bench as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the defensive matchups work out, like who, who guards Sam Hostrider who guards Jack Hostreiter. Uh, Jack just had a, a good game last week, uh, scored 21 in their last game. Kind of you know. defies what we talked about the week of in terms of how that offense should
0: run yeah. and who it should run through. But, hey, it, we'll see if it's an anomaly or something
1: that's portable. Yeah, we'll get to them for sure. Uh, obviously, again, this is a big game. I'll, planning to be there with kind of the – Nebraska's game getting scheduled kind of unfortunately took me out of the big one uh, on Thursday, but did free me up to, to go see this one on Tuesday. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that again. I mean, if, if, if Scott gets by Pius on Tuesday, looking at Bennington on uh, February 1st, and then yeah. after that, I mean, I, I don't know who else like if they get past those two, then we're looking at, I mean, again, who beats them in, in class B. I yeah. obviously when things get to the state tournament, you, you never know. Um, but uh, it's they, they clearly have established themselves by far as the best team in the class, and it's going to take a, an incredible effort for anybody to knock them off, I think.
0: Yeah, one of our, our peers in the business that likes high school basketball almost as much as we do, uh, Mike Sauter, sent me a, a tweet dur- in-game the other day, and he, he affectionately said, our Jake. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, well, I'm not gonna claim somebody else that has a family of their own. <laughs> it's not my Jake or your Jake, but it it is nice to see that I think the rest of the basketball world, especially at the high school level, is being introduced to to how well he's playing for Omaha Scott. Oh, and they needed it too with, with Mitch Scholl getting hurt. doing a little bit yeah. of everything.
1: First first day of practice of the season, Mitch Scholl goes down with a knee injury and. They needed Jake because uh, Mitch, last year, Mitch was a key piece for them coming off the bench. Like He was ahead of Jake in terms of production and uh, the role he played for Scott. And Jake obviously had the tools, and now he's starting to uh, he kept growing, kept getting stronger, uh, and starting to round out his game now and has been a big piece for them. Obviously, the, the seniors, James Ninefu, um has, has really, I think, taken a, a big step as a senior this year, now kind of taken over as the leader in that backcourt, and Grant Dvorak is tough, um, tough versatile player on the wing as well. So they, and then JJ uh, Farren's one of the better shooters in Class B. So yes, he is just really well rounded team. It's a doesn't seem like a 170 pounds.
0: Does does JJ? Right? It's like he looks kind of slight and kind of oh by the way, and then all of a sudden you take a couple of breaths and it's like up. Oh, that's a bucket that's another bucket yep feel like we better touch this guy get close right like for kind of how they play defense first they do have a little sneaky light switch offensive running out of the gym component they get a couple of stops in a row then they score get a couple of stops in a row they score and all of a sudden you're down eight and you wonder what happened yeah exactly
1: right that's uh, you really got to hang in there with them because they they will make you pay for a mistake, a turnover, or um, go in there and get a shot blocked, and they get run outs. And again, Nenefu is really good in the open court, um, so the, the, they're they're going to be tough to beat. Um, I, I think we probably uh, before going any further, we probably need to mention the the single best performance in Class B last week. Yeah, it'd uh, be hard to top double nickel from Connor Milk, and obviously we know, everybody know who listened to us knows what Connor Milken can and does do for that team. But just 55 points on 20 of 27 from the field, only three of seven from three and 12 of 13 from the free throw line with 13 rebounds and six assists, 55 points and six assists Uh, is so is the six assist more impressive than only 27 shots. And only only three threes as part of the fifty five too. It's not like he just got hot; he just kept going. So obviously, I spent a lot
0: of time watching him online, and you know what I think? Kind of an underappreciated thing is his team—they really like him. A lot of times when there's a guy that gets all the attention, and his, you know, his critics would label him kind of a volume guy. He is extremely well received by his teammates, which lets me know he's every bit the young man that I think he is. And yeah, I maybe lack a little objectivity just because I've I've coached him, I've known him since he's been a uh, just a little guy. The families are extremely close, but he's well liked, and I there's I just think there's something to that when you can be the guy and your teammates embrace you being the guy. It's hard for kids this age and this
1: generation to say okay hey we acknowledge who and what you are and i think part of that is the the way that connor plays his role and how hard he plays he he's not play. a guy that's sitting back there and resting on defense and just taking every shot which he's embraced this yeah. year right like he has really evolved into i got to guard the best player too and he crashes the glass every single game like double digit games or double digit rebounds almost every game and just incredible that that game. Just kind of look at the box score. They scored 93 points against Nebraska City. He had so either scored or assisted on 26 of their 36 field goals and was the only one that attempted a free throw. <laughs> I, I just that that's one of the best performances I think we'll see all season and for a long time.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I for sure don't think you'll see that replicated again. And you have to go back some days until you see that kind of sheer efficiency on the offensive end while building up those kinds of numbers. You just you just don't see it very often.
1: And then they followed that up with that 58-48 win against Harlan in the Nebraska Prep Classic. Over and there they needed Sokol. to get
0: right. Yeah. I, I feel like they need a little confidence. Um, class B is really starting to sort itself out. I mean, depending on if, if, if Scud is at the top, however you parse through Beatrice Roncalli and Bennington, who I think will all kind of say something – about it before it's over. And listen, Scott's bluff is like, hey, I know you guys don't understand our level of opponents or who we're playing in-state versus out-of-state. Here we are kind of building up a gaudy record, and Waverly's like, hey, careful. You probably don't want to play us either. So if it's Scott and everybody else, two through seven, I don't know, I guess figure it out.
1: Exactly right. And we, we talked about how Waverly had started to kind of put things together last week. And then they go and lose to Bennington on Monday and then follow that up with a, a loss to Wahoo. Those are both very good teams, but that now Waverly's back down at 10 and five. So like, there's just no, I mean, like you said, that two through seven Beatrice is kind of just hanging on there. Uh, two wins last week against Hastings and Ralston sitting there at 10 and two uh, Ron Colley uh, right there, nine and four after the, the loss to Scott Bennington. I think we've talked about them, how, how much they've improved recently and a 3-0 week last week, and they continue to get it done with their depth. I mean, they've got so many different guys that can score uh, in any given game, and they got w- wins over Waverly, Nebraska City Lords, and Norris. So um, those are three good wins for them, and they're, they're sitting there at 12-3. and And then he mentioned Scott's Buff, and they they, they handled Garing last week, so uh, improved to 13-4, and and they've got two more Nebraska teams with the Lions and, and Sydney coming up this week. Um, so that is a really tough. And we mentioned Platteview, who's kind of hanging down there at number seven because of some of the losses they took. But, uh, again, coming off a really impressive week, and they've got their conference tournament this week as well.
0: How surprised are you at this juncture on January, whatever it is, 24th or 25th today, 24th, that there's only two undefeated teams in all of high school basketball?
1: That's crazy. and uh, Obviously, we talked about Scott, and the other would be, Humphrey-Lindsey-Holy family down in C2 moving up. Not only that they're undefeated, one of the last two, it's that they moved up a class and continued to run through uh, their competition. I was there uh, on Tuesday. Which is why I wanted to talk
0: about it, because you saw firsthand something had to give there, and they proved to be every bit
1: as good as their record. Yeah, and the the interesting dynamic about Humphrey this year is – so Jason Suits has been the guy for three years. 1,000-point scorer. Um, he's been their leading scorer since he was a freshman. This year, Jacob, who's actually going to play baseball, baseball in college, has kind of emerged, and they've been running their offense through him, and he's he's been their leading scorer, leading rebounder, really good passer. They've been running their stuff through him, and I think Jacob's been just fine to kind of take a slight step back with the way that uh, – or Jason has uh, been content to take a slight step back with the way that Jacob's been playing – because obviously it's working right now. So 15-0, at Jacob had 20 points, uh, 11 boards, three assists, two steals, and two blocks against Howell's Dodge. It was a 47-45 win at Howell's on Tuesday. Really good game right down to the stretch. It, it was Offense was tough to come by, uh, but they found a way to make the plays down down the stretch to, to pull it out.
0: Yeah, it, surprised, not surprised. Uh, you talk about environments where that environment ranks with Ron Colley you saw another good one at Westside and and Prep uh, which we'll get to in a little bit when we talk to cla- when we talk about class A where has
1: been the the most electric environment that you've been to thus far Yeah it, it's definitely either Westside Prep or that Ron Callis Scott game um man that that Ron colley Scott game like the, the noise in that place when <laughs> they were going like down the stretch right and, on at top the, of you, at the free throw line like it, the gym was shaking like they were jumping up and down pounding the bleachers um, the, 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 student section was leaning it and then the, the parents and, and fans were kind of joining in again, that place was absolutely rocking down the last 60 seconds or so of that game, uh, in Scott Westside, man, they, the student sections were full of the top by halftime of the JV game. If not before, I think, uh, had security officer told us they, they had to turn away like 200 kids cause they ran out of uh, space for them.
0: Yeah. I thought your tweet was hilarious. If you're not here right now, don't.
1: Bobby yeah. coming, and that was during the fourth quarter of the JV game. Like, uh, it, it was the place is absolutely packed. You had people kind of wandering in, and I know uh Sharif Mitchell and uh, a couple of his t- crazy yeah, teammates laying behind us. Our athletic I
0: mean, director went to go get them because they were kind of stuck yeah. and couldn't get in. And it's like, uh,
1: well, yeah,
0: you <laughs> don't get these guys at a game very often. Yeah. Can we, is there anything we can do to get these guys in? Um, but, you know, So you get, you get some Blue Jays in the house, and, and that one didn't disappoint. We'll get to that. Before we move on to Class A, no surprise if you listen to this podcast. The one class that we said would be the – we felt like before we even started the basketball podcast this year, we said look out for C1. C1 will be highly, highly competitive and don't blink. You have six teams, Jacob, with two losses or less. Yeah. You got Wayne and Auburn, obviously, sitting there at 13 and 2. But how about this run? Concordia, who we said coming off, maybe being a little ahead of schedule last year, uh, at 13 and 1. Wahoo, we had them in our top two at 13 and 1. Carney Catholic at 16 and 1. And there's Ashlyn Greenwood at 11 and one yeah four teams with four
1: losses between them sitting atop class c1 and you look at kind of the neb preps coaches poll zero change one through ten everybody's rock solid everybody took care of business last week uh, and then you even go like Milford at, at seven is 12 and three and is a really good team. Ogallala, 13 and three. I actually like it, Ogallala because yeah. they're going to have some dog in
0: them. Yeah. They uh, got, they, heck, they, heck they heck got of a point guard. They, and they got a coach who's pretty no nonsense. So <laughs> that that's just going to come with the territory.
1: Fort Calhoun, 11 and three, and they, they handed uh, Concordia their only loss. Uh, O'Neal down at, at 10 with Landon Klassen kind of leading that uh, sophomore. Drew Morrow has been having a great season, really shooting the ball well. So, like, that is an incredible top 10. And you keep going, you g- go even deeper. Like, you've got D.C. West and Central City both uh, receiving votes, and those are quality teams too. So, like, Class C1 is phenomenal, and, and it is deeper than any other class at this point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You bring up Ogilog a lot. Ogalala, excuse me. I've known Andy Gillen since I've been in college. Uh, I met him, Charlie, his dad, and every. Oh, you know, he's he's like the villain, right? If you're not with Ogalala, it's the guy that, that draws everybody's ire. And I'm just thinking, one thing you're gonna get with a Coach Gillen, Coach Group out there in Ogallala, they're gonna play hard, and they. It's like
1: Tom Petty, right? Won't back down. He's really good at establishing that us-against-the-world mentality. His, that's and, his thing, man. Yeah.
0: He's been like that from since I've known him and hasn't gotten off of yeah. it since.
1: Every game with a chip on their shoulder, for sure.
0: Uh, let's, let's hop over to Class A, you know, because I want to ask you something here, uh, and you can use any of the classes, because I think the team that, I will, that I'm going to tell you about, and it's, and it's pretty objective, I'm going to ask you about Upside. We're halfway through the season – Uh, It's starting to really sort itself out. What team out there do you think has the most room for growth based on where they are currently?
1: That's a good question. Um, It probably has to be either Millard North or Bellevue West, uh, just in terms of the players they have in the roles that they have. Obviously, side has got some young guys too, but that thing is on, like, they got that thing locked in. The rotations are on point. Like, you got those young guys coming off the bench in uh, waves and just tearing apart bench units. You've got the seniors that are kind of holding down, seniors and juniors that are holding down that starting lineup. Whereas uh, Bellevue West and Miller North, they both have kind of their core of upperclassmen but i think they're relying on those young guys a little bit more than west side is at this point could i
0: convince you if you're talking upside and maybe you you could get me on room for growth because west side is playing so well my question to you would be could i talk you into it being either west side or above us coach Simons has a ton of options right i mean If he doesn't like the way a couple of starters are playing, he has the luxury of going to some consistency. You saw it the other night against Prep. He didn't like the start that Chandler Meeks got off to. He sat for an an extremely long time, even with the two fouls. Um, He rode the hot hand of Reggie Thomas, who hadn't been as efficient as he was against Prep. Bellevue West is interesting because they play so many guys, and now they have the addition of Jacob Arope. I think it's between... Listen, I'm not going to thumb my nose at Miller North because I think you're on to something there, especially if that backcourt gets it going. Right? Harmon kind of showed out the other night without getting a lot of help from Jason Green, and it's like, whoa. Could, they can pull that off without the lead dog being the lead dog. I don't know how much they want to make a living trying yeah. to do that, but I do like, I, I definitely think they're in the discussion though in terms of upside. Or how about Omaha Scott who hasn't been healthy?
1: In terms of growth, that, that's true. Like if if Scholl, I, I don't know kind of what the timetable is like for him, um, if he gets back, like the, that, <laughs> man that that adds another really good player to the mix, and not only a good player but more player with size that is really tough for Class B teams to match up with. But
0: how about Pius if they want to figure mm-hmm. out who and how they want to play through?
1: I, I I think they obviously can play better, and I think they have uh, over the last week they. They played a little bit better, and obviously the big one on Tuesday. I think, for the most part, those players are who they are. Though, basically everybody in the rotation is an upperclassman except for Trace and Anderson. Yeah. Um. So I feel like this season, like those guys are, they could play slightly better, change, tweak some things about, about their approach. But in terms of looking at upside, I'm looking at young players improving and stepping into bigger roles, and that's kind of why I gravitate. You mentioned Miller North, um, with. Uh, Isaiah McMorris came alive had had a big game uh, last week. Eli Gaith has been playing a little bit better. He's been double digits more than often than not. It, How it, about
0: McMorris going nine and nine from the field yeah, the other day? Twenty four points. Listen, couple eh, of they, days. They get it. any consistency in the backcourt, and all of a sudden they become extremely dangerous.
1: And that's why I point to them because I feel like if those guys take a leap, there's more opportunity with some of the way because um, they need a. Obviously, David Harmon and Jason Green. They need a consistent third score. They need a third and they need a fourth. And if Neil Mosser, if Eli Gaith, if Isaiah McMorris, those are kind of the three guys uh, with the way we've seen Jackson Page kind of um, hasn't really put up big numbers this year. If they can get a little bit more out of any of those guys. Whereas I feel like, a- as well as Caleb uh, Benning, obviously, uh, CJ Mitchell, even if those guys continue to progress, you kind of got those seniors that that are already playing less minutes than they did previously in their career. So I feel like there's kind of uh, – there's not necessarily as much room for a bigger role for those guys at this point, whereas Millard North and, uh, needs kind of those guys to emerge a little bit. So that's kind of why I include them I like, in the mix. I like that.
0: What, so um, what if I ask – what if I look at it a different way? Who, who in your opinion, if you're looking at, at Westside, Bellevue West, and Millard North – and I want to talk about Central here in a second – who has the most versatility, in your opinion, in terms of ways that they can get you? And does that enter into your thought process when you talk about upside?
1: It, It's probably Westside. Um, I'm inclined to agree. W- with the combination of the way that they can really pressure you on defense and get out in the open court, in addition to a guy like Tate Advati as a, a matchup nightmare where... Um, Prep, wa- watching that game, they, they didn't really have a matchup for him. They, they put Joey Richel on him, uh, who's a tough kid. But Tate, first uh, touch he got, just caught in the post, muscled through and went up and finished. Like he's His ability to finish inside uh, with his strength and continuing to get uh, bigger and stronger, and then he's you knocking under, down you the shot. You understand what I'm
0: kind of saying now that you've seen him firsthand? His, and I'm not going to label him as a below-the-rim player, But for the way he plays, he's about as crafty around the 10 with his versatility
1: as anybody that I've seen is kind of a tweener in terms of size. And his understanding of how to get his shots within this offense is so much greater than last year. And that's led to uh, his huge spike in efficiency. And, like, you look at what he's 17 a game right now on, like, ridiculous shooting splits.
0: Well, he's 9 of 10 the other night. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And he had uh he didn't miss in the first half he had 20 by halftime and didn't even need to play in the second half really cuz they already had control of that game
0: yeah it's uh, it's it's interesting you watch their offensive efficiency and i was looking at it today and uh this morning you know if you look at 2 point field goal percentage they have seven guy, nine guys nine <laughs> shooting 50% or greater from 2 point the like you're just not going to see that
1: very often. Pretty good at the high school level. <laughs> right. And some of those guys are shooting 60.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, you, you take a look at them from the, the three-point line, whether it's, you know, Advati shooting 44% from three, uh, C.J. Mitchell shooting 37% from three, Charlie Davis shooting 47% from three, Caleb Benning shooting 56% from three, and all of the aforementioned, I didn't even get to Peyton Gillespie who's shooting 37% from 3. Now he's shot he shot the most 37% on that vo- that volume is pretty good too. Their
1: ability to yeah. score the ball in a variety of ways is and then you've got the three guards uh just in the starting lineup let alone bringing those young guys off the bench, but uh, obviously Chandler, Reggie and Tate can all get downhill. So you got three-point shooting, you got drivers, you got a guy um that can take advantage of smaller defenders in the post. Um, so they, they don't necessarily have a dominant uh, back to the ba- uh, back to the basket center where Logan Wilson's more of a kind of a stretch guy. Uh, spaces a floor. but and Tate does give them that op- option if he has the right matchups.
0: And what's, you know what's funny? And I've, and I've said this to Logan. All those other guys can play well, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and they may not win. If Logan plays well, they're not losing. <laughs> like I feel comfortable in saying that when he's on and by that, I mean, he's kind of, it's just too much, right? You, when he plays well, it's like, oh boy, you're not shutting down everybody else.
1: <laughs> so just to demonstrate how well that West side is playing right now, last week, they outscored their opponents, two games, uh, Papillion the in prep. So, obviously, a top-five team, and then Papillion Vista's got some pieces. Uh, 168 to 84. (laughs) They doubled up their opponents last week. Yeah. And they did it while shooting over 60% from the field, knocking down 21 threes, and uh, they had 31 assists to 9 turnovers. And they held both teams to 37% shooting. Okay, so that's
0: the thing right there. The last part. You and I talked about this after the Prep West Side game, and I said, you know, Prep had a hard time. We knew Prep was going to have a hard time scoring. You said, listen, those guards, that backcourt's ability to push you out and pressure you is just disruptive. They did it to Bellevue West. They made Josiah Doltzler work like crazy. They did it to Miller North when they pushed out to the lead late, which the score got out of hand, right? That game was closer for three and a half quarters than – then the final at the Metro holiday tournaments, and Miller Norths the only team that can say, "Hey, listen, we've split with them when you look at the upside, let's talk Bellevue West and Miller North. who has the most room for growth in terms of matching up with what you think West Side does well? who that's a good one. so hmm, I have an opinion could i could I convince you that it's even though I think Westside would probably prefer to play Bellevue West over Miller North just because Miller North has some physical – listen, Harmon and Green, those guys, I think Westside would probably pick Bellevue West but in terms of who they wanted to play. But Bellevue West has the most versatility in that same vein.
1: Yeah, I, I think it would probably be Miller North tougher matchup just Ooh, because we differ there because of Jason Green. Well, and, and I think and I think West Side would say Miller North is the tougher matchup. Yeah, and so we saw what Jason Green did to them, obviously. And you, you mentioned so they're not there yet, but I feel like there's just a little bit more off the juice, uh, off the dribble juice with Miller North's young guys. Um, if they if they can obviously West Side defended David Harmon Bobby really West well. There. Has
0: such. Good potential,
1: though they they do. But you mentioned kind of the way, like most of their wings, they don't have a lot of guys that are are gonna make plays. Yeah, off the get bounce, downhill side of just oh, downhill. I get yeah. That's so a that's a good what point. I'm, that's a good point. I feel like that ball pressure we saw it uh, against Bellevue West. You took you can't just stand around and those, shoot. Yeah, exactly. you have to be able to get downhill exactly. So that's kind of the combination of Jason Green and maybe obviously they're not there yet, but they've got the potential to be. If some of those those guys can give them a little bit more off the bounce, then I think that's where you kind of see. Um, just a little bit more versatility there and the way to attack uh, 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 West Side's defense a little bit more. But, I mean, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to uh, just watch a uh, round-robin series between these three teams going back and forth because they are all very, very good. So is, is Central the most dangerous or
0: good on Lincoln Northeast for establishing their dominance amongst the round-robin of the Lincoln teams?
1: Yes, Central, obviously, we saw them on, on Tuesday. They uh, went to uh, Millard North and, and gave them a fight. Uh, 53-48 win for yeah, Millard North. Ugly, ugly, ugly basketball game. Yeah, Jason Green uh, kept them quiet. 11 points, although eight boards, four assists, four blocks. So it kind of stuff in the stat sheet still. But David Harmon, again, stepping up, 24 points, 11-15. to 15. From the field. We saw last week he shot the ball at a 50% rate from three, I think, overall, uh, maybe even a little bit better than that. And that's what we were talking about last week, where kind of wondering about the three point shooting, and he had struggled and finally got some shots to fall. I uh, had a really good week last week, but. Um, Central, it kind of falls back into the same thing we're talking about. Uh, Patrick uh, P.J. Davis and Jay Dawson combined 36 points on 15 of 38 shooting. Mm The rest of the team had 12 points on 5
0: of 11. Again, probably one of only two guys that can get to any spot on the floor in the
1: Metro. It is Jay Dawson and Josiah Dotsler. Yeah, and so if... If PJ and Jay aren't going to be, we know the volume is going to be there. They're just, at this point, I don't think you can expect a lot of scoring from anybody else based on the way they play. What do you think's happening in their backcourt
0: with, like, DeAndre Brody and, uh, like, either the doghouse or something? They're starting to tinker with some new lineups and a little more versatility in the backcourt.
1: Yeah, um, I think they've kind of shifted more to putting the ball in Jay's hands as kind of the primary, uh, the ball handler um getting PJ on the wing Cuz you saw the Central and, Lincoln East game, right? Yeah. And, I mean he barely played. Yeah. Uh yeah, he yeah, he was kind of out of the rotation. They starred uh, a Wit Mamer uh on the wing. Um guy, I'm very very familiar with. So I'm seen him play since he was in the 4th, 5th grade another one of those TNE guys. And Kia Pauljour uh like jumped in, in the starting lineup. They they brought Raheem Briggs off the bench. Like so they're still kind of touring with some different lineups. They've got they got to find something clicking with that supporting cast. But since obviously they are at this point, they're going to go as far as Dawson and Davis take them. If they're efficient in any given game, they've got as good a chance to outscore uh, the other team between themselves as any duo in the state. It's
0: weird, right? Because I think they're the only team in the Metro that has two guys capable of getting you 60 on any given night. Like it wouldn't surprise me if you see those two go 30 and 30, like they're capable, right? Yeah. I mean, is anybody and, else, and they're gonna, with, is and anybody they're else really shots? doing
1: that? I, I don't think anybody else is getting that uh, that that amount of the shots either. Um, you've right. got a little bit Good more balance everywhere else. So the combination of the talent and the opportunity with the way the team is playing right now. Um, so that's, I mean, those guys can win you any game and they can lose it to you too if the shots aren't falling. And we know both of them will, will take some tough shots at times. So yeah. that's kind of what Central is right now, I think. Um, they're clearly in that 4-5 in that mix. Um, they, they've established themselves there. Um, but they still need a little bit more to, to crack into that top three. You mentioned Lincoln Northeast. I was there, and they went and won at Lincoln Southwest. Beat them for the second time this season. Dog fight, But, again, Northeast just finds a way to pull out close games late. More uh, options. Xander I, I, Beard. Xander Beard is a guy that I thought – I thought he. We be haven't said court. his yeah. name in three, four weeks. Yeah, I thought and he, here he is as the difference maker this late in the season. Yeah, I thought he'd be their leading scorer coming in the season. That's been Christian Win, uh, but Xander, twenty-one points, really efficient game, ten eleven from the free throw line, three different and ones in that game, knocked down a big three. Um, so that's kind of they're thirteen and two now, um, and uh, they've got Grand Island and Elkhorn South. So um, it's a, another good week to kind of. Show that hey they they belong in that number five spot they they belong in the mix for that number four spot, um, they're definitely clearly established themselves as the best they're seven one in Lincoln against Lincoln teams right now,
0: yeah don't look now but we and we've talked about them since they beat Bellevue West. Uh, Gretna's won five in a row. Oh, no, they, uh, six in a row, right? But well, No, they dropped the, they, they lost to Papio South. Oh, that's right. That's the Papio right. South this 54 51. Yeah. At the tail end, I forgot, I forgot all about yeah. that over the weekend on Saturday night. Papio South pull, getting to nine and five got Omaha Gretna to kind of, I say Omaha yeah. Gretna, getting <laughs> Gretna to kind of quell the run. I was getting ready to say, Which team would you least like to play? And I was going to put Gretna in the bunch, and you may still feel that way. But outside the top four, which team would you least like to play if you're one of those A1 through A4 potential seeds?
1: Yeah, that's... that's, uh, Gretna, we talked about this, was a big week to kind of distance themselves from the rest of the back end of the top five. And they pull out the 65-61 double overtime win against Elkhorn South.
0: I think they ran out of gas, but...
1: And then... Yeah, like if that's cuz they had to they had to win the fourth quarter 23-14 to get that thing to overtime. Just to get it there. Uh and then uh they won in the second overtime, but 51-54 lost to, to Papio South. Um kind of one step forward, one step back. Uh that game we, we talked about Papio South, their freshman uh Daniel Brocail had 6 points, did not make a shot, did not have an assist in that game and Papio South won. Yeah. I don't know how often the, that's going to happen.
0: Well, the slow start, I think Gretna only scored 11 points in the first quarter, yeah. which ultimately was their undoing uh, in that one, kind of playing
1: catch-up the rest of the it way. It a freshman. Bryson Ball uh, led the way with 16 points. Reese Kircher added 10. We talked about those guys. How about good those, good upside. The, young, the young pups? Um, so, I, I mean, Prep uh, fell to number seven after that loss to Westside. Um, they they kind of took care of business against uh, the other teams they played last week. They, they, I think at this point... With the injuries, they just got so many guys. I that still they've think lost. it's his
0: best coaching performance to date. I mean, to have yeah. eleven wins out of that team right now is, I think, fantastic.
1: Yep. And, and one more note before we go. Obviously, you hear the music going on right now. Uh, we need to mention Quinn Johnson from Loomis breaking the state th- oh, career the three-point record. Loomis. He went into the Alma game on Thursday needing seven to break Brady Delmont's record. He hit ten in the first half. Finished 12 of 17 from three um, for, for 39 points. Um, and he has got a half a season left to keep adding to that record. I think that one's going to stand for a long time. He's just a phenomenal shooter. Aren't many guys that can get off the, the volume and efficiency that he has. It doesn't matter what has, class has, he's playing. Has
0: surpassed Michelle Patterson, who is now Michelle Kluver who has a fantastic son as a golfer, as Loomis's most popular athlete <laughs> in the last 25 years. That's that's my main man, Incredible Jacob Hey, listen, you won't get that kind of range anywhere else on a podcast in the state of Nebraska. That's Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. We'll be back next week with Nebraska Preps posting.